Hello and welcome back to the Hammer and Tulip podcast with me, Graham Phillips and Gareth Dix. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us as we continue our conversation on the subject of revival. And tonight we're going to be talking really on the subject of prayer and praying for revival. Uh, It's a theme that we believe we see running right the way through every biblical revival and indeed every true revival in church history we see this thread of of prayer running right through it and um so i think we want to address that tonight because i think anybody who's a student of revival can see that but why is it that we are experiencing in these days not in every church there are certainly prayerful churches and prayerful movements out there but by and large we are seeing a a real lack of prayer a real prayerlessness um in the gathered corporate body of christ and so we want to speak to that a little bit we want to bring um some of our thoughts to the table we want to study the word of god and, and look back through the scriptures at these revivals these mini kind of moves of god that happen and the role of prayer in them. And I think we want to just kind of speak prophetically and really speak hope uh, to the body of Christ in these days that we might see a generation rise up, a praying generation rise up that will see a revival. Um, We believe that prayer is absolutely intrinsic to seeing a move of God. But, you know, as we've experienced all of us, you can't force the hand of God. You can't, uh, you know, you can't make revival happen. It's something that you ride upon really it's it's a it's a sovereign it's a sovereign thing of god but we can't yeah again we can't say that that sovereign move doesn't come without prayer so we're talking a bit about that we're going to try and frame this discussion as i say as biblically as we can we're going to be looking at some historic revivals as well in this episode uh, we're going to look at the puritan great awakening we're going to look a little bit at wales and the hebridean revival um and really we're going to be asking um what needs to happen what what needs to happen in the church for us to really see a prayer movement a prayer movement in these last days so gareth welcome to the show this evening it's really good as always (laughs) to have you with us um to to enjoy this time together how are you doing sir are you well yeah pretty good i've been uh as as you already know i've basically finished the uh first draft of a book that I'm working on. Uh, the, the title of the book, uh, the book is "Losing Lampstands: How the Mainstream Church Lost the Presence of God," and uh, basically just finished uh, the first round of editing and, and working hard towards getting that out there at some point. Hopefully, God willing, in 2023. But a lot of the things that we've discussed in the podcast, uh, some of the research has, has gone in towards that book, and it's kind of really kind of uh, put together a lot of the things we've discussed, but also that sense of uh, Past, present, future, where we've gone wrong, what's going on right now, and where are we going with all this? What do, I, what do we sense that God is doing in the church and where God's moving uh, things? So I've really enjoyed that. I've found that exciting. And I, I hope, God willing, that that book will make an appearance at some point, maybe even in 2023, um, for those of you listening to be able to read it and to, you know, to see our concern for though, though things are really 
bad in the church right now as we've often referred to things are in a bad way James Montgomery Boyce was talking about this kind of 20 years ago uh, Francis Schaeffer was talking about this 40 years ago you know it, things are not good and they're not in a good way and yet within all that I believe God in his grace is raising a remnant he has got a plan for his elect people for all this so yeah that's been my uh, it's been keeping me busy for the last uh, few weeks as I've been busy uh, working away on that yeah we're really looking forward to reading that uh i know that i am and uh it's such a timely message i, I th- you know i was saying to you the other day we were talking about your book and you know some of the stuff that you've written in there that really does speak prophetically about the times that we live in uh and and yeah. as i was dwelling on that you know I, I mentioned the other day just sometimes when you're writing things like you're writing gareth about the state of the church and you're you're sort of raising a clarion call really to call yeah, the church definitely. to to repentance you can feel really alone oh definitely in that you, you can <laughs> feel sure. yeah i certainly i felt um in in my little world a little bit like a kind of john the baptist figure or a jeremiah even at points because you're thinking oh definitely yeah <laughs> is it yeah. just is it just me um or have i gone crazy because it seems that you are in a sense like john the baptist in a wilderness yeah. place you're, you're alone you're not in the corridors of power um you know very often voices like ours are very quickly ushered out of the corridors of power you, you know so to speak like john the baptist was not heard in jerusalem he was in the wilderness and and very often i think voices like ours are being raised but they're being raised in desolate places in broken places and um it can be a very difficult thing to speak up but i think that i think it's the right thing to do i I absolutely think we know there's going to be people like yourself who write books like this in coming years uh, in this nation who god will mightily use uh, but it might it, it probably won't feel comfortable for you and oh no it, you know um because in every in every kind of season of backsliding in, in church history and in and in the bible as well what you always have um is a cabal of false prophets who oh, will yeah. prophesy and say the very thing that itching ears want to hear you know you'll always have this like little cabal of false prophets everything's wonderful what are you talking about you're just a hater you're a detractor you know you're divisive what god is doing in these days in our church is amazing and it's wonderful and we're just having revival and god is not angry with us he, he thinks we're wonderful and that our ministries are wonderful and that you know uh, that the, the end is not nigh uh, we're building legacy etc 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 there's always a, a a gaggle of false prophets ready to say the exact opposite but um so that's why it takes guts i think to do what you've done um and to pen you know pen these things down and try and get them out there uh, and that's what this podcast is about really it is yeah, be- it is like it's being a voice in the wilderness crying out repent prepare the way of the lord you know and um that that's that's it's encouraging you know to hear that you're doing that gareth and we'll pray oh, for success you. Yeah, that you pray. find a yeah. publisher and that yeah, we, get, we see the That'd old book get out there yeah um so this evening um we are talking uh, as we said already on on the subject of prayer we're talking about prayer and prayer in connection to revival 
Prayer is a theme, isn't it, Gareth? That, you know, I think whenever we talk about revival, we can't get away from speaking about prayer. But Oh, no. I mean, that's, that's anybody listening into this that knows anything about revival, they know that. But what has alarmed you or caused you to really want to do a session on this subject? What What is it that's driven you to to address this? Well, I think there's a couple of things, and I'll start with the first one being just my own experience, which has been... Um, positive and negative with regards to prayer so I remember in my previous context in Essex I when I was new to the church only been there about six months we started a, a prayer initiative called House of Prayer and obviously you've got to remember this is pre-lockdown quite quite a bit pre-lockdown and we got really good numbers I mean, we'd get like 30 or 40 people turning up for these monthly prayer meetings it was amazing we'd all sit in different circles and you know we'd pray together in groups and at the end of it we would everyone would make notes of what we felt god was saying as we were praying or what was coming to mind bible verses pictures whatever and we would then i'd have a mic and we'd just kind of go around a leader from each group sharing what the lord was saying and, and there's some really powerful stuff really but also i noticed that as a result of this prayer the evening service the numbers in the evening service were were growing there were people coming to faith there were baptisms there god was doing good thing really great things uh the youth group as far as i know trebled in number uh there were new families joining the church there's just like god was pouring his blessing out at, on the church in that time and i remember a number of people i'll never forget this lady walking up to me uh, this is after one of the services on a sunday morning and she said to me i know that you've been praying for my two uh, praying for the teenagers because my two kids are teenagers and they'd never normally go to the youth group and they said they want to go and she's like i that, that's wow. a miracle i know that you're praying and that blew me away because I, I didn't i didn't really know who this woman was and, and but yeah. she knew that there was prayer going on and so prayer really worked it's, it's, I think it's tragic I even need to say that prayer works so on the one hand there's you know when, when we gather together to pray and we cry out to God for souls for people to come to faith for you know for problems in the church for people's needs whatever it might be and we just keep bringing it to God God answers these prayers he hears these prayers it's important we do that the thing I find depressing if I'm honest with you and I'm going to move more towards the lockdowns now during 2020 what mm. I found and don't get me wrong I understand people had screen fatigue and didn't want to be on zoom and all that sort of oh, thing in mate. the evening nobody but I nobody's got time for that <laughs> yeah here we are sat on zoom <laughs> yeah i know but that was the thing that i remember though that, that the only way you could really meet up during the lockdown was on 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 zoom to pray yeah. and things like that but the numbers were so low and even after the pandemic when we've or you know before when we've when you've had a prayer meeting at church quite often the numbers will be down i know other people in other churches tell me the same thing the prayer meeting is seen as a sort of like a oh well you can go there if you want it's an extra thing mm. and and that's that's to me that's the first thing prayer i've seen the good and the bad in churches i've seen a real encouraging zeal for it i've seen a, a real lack of interest the other second thing which i think significant is I heard a message by the Irish preacher Keith Malcolmson, uh, who, who as we both would, would 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 commend his ministry as being a real voice, prophetic voice for this hour. Yeah, definitely. And one of the most recent messages, he said something that I thought was so significant, and he was talking about uh, he was preaching uh, through a conference that he was preaching on. I'm trying to remember the name of the of the message uh, that he spoke on. I can't off the top of my head, but he was basically talking about how uh, in Ephesians six. 
he talks about the full armor of God. And actually, he was saying, actually, the full armor of God is actually for the church, not for the individual. Right. And, and, he, and he points out that in verse 18, it says praying at all times in the spirit because he, he goes yeah. through the armor of God and goes straight into praying. So the point is, as, as Keith Malcolmson describes it, as, as going onto the battlefield of prayer. So actually, prayer is attack. Yeah. It's actually so going forward. And, and I thought this is such a, a, a profound word from Keith Malcolmson that I think is something we need to take on board is that prayer is going on the attack. Prayer, basically, it's like if it was a football game, it's like the church is basically passing it around the back four constantly. That's all they ever do. You've been watching too much Villa. I have, yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. But no, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the only yeah. way I can describe it. It's like the church doesn't understand that prayer is attack. When you, when you get together in the boiler room of prayer, you're actually spiritually going yeah. on the front foot. Yeah. And this is something I think the church tragically doesn't understand. The church that gets it is the church that goes, we need to meet and pray together we yeah. need to gather together and pray and we need to that all the things that we're concerned about as a church all the things whether that's you know financially we're worried that the church is going to go bust we're going to pray about this or, or whether it's someone's really sick we're going to pray about this you know that the, the prayer of a righteous man achieves much so i, I really feel that you yeah, know one more thing for you know I, i'll hand back to you but there's something that i remember uh, a story of charles spurgeon as someone had asked him, you know, this was a man who regularly preached to at least 6,000 people on a Sunday. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was on a bad Sunday, you know, 6,000 people. <laughs> He'd have as many as 10,000 people all gathered to, to hear the gospel. And someone had asked him, how do you have such a fruitful ministry? And he took them, you know, round, round the back into a room and there were people praying and he said, my people pray. And the thing was, people mm. were praying all the way through the service. So he would, he, you know, they'd be singing hymns, there'd be prayers. Spurgeon would preach his message, but all the way through that service, there were people in a back room praying all the way through the service. Yeah. Uh, wow. We have lost that in the modern church. We really have. I've got this book here, actually, lectures to my students. It's on my desk, Spurgeon. And um, he really he really understood prayer, didn't he? He really understood it in its place. Oh, for sure. One of his quotes I love is, uh, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. I'm into that. So good. Um, you know, again, I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of the intensity of your prayer. Um I read in his lectures to my students, he said, uh, he, he said something that I think really struck at my heart and, and sort of challenged me. He basically said, I would never let any man stand up in one of our meetings and pray unless I was convinced that this was a man who was on fire for prayer. Like, yeah. so he was like, you know, you could be qualified to teach. You might be a wonderful, wonderful servant of God. But if you are not the kind of man whose belly is burning to pray, to be in that place with God and just render heavens, he was like, I won't let you pray in my meetings. It doesn't matter if wow. it's just reading yeah. liturgy. I won't let you pray. And uh, and I just saw there some of his zeal uh, and, and some of the high value he placed on prayer. Like, I think this is something that Ravenhill talks about a lot as well in his books, that, 
you know, no man is greater than his prayer life. I think it was the other guy, uh, the Civil War American pastor. Um, I've got his book on my shelf down there, The Power of Prayer. Um, the name will come back to me. But he, he would say as well, um, he would talk about uh, prayer being the engine room of faith you know yeah, uh, being like the engine and so all these greats talk about it uh all these greats put it into practice and and then every revival we see every move of god in in church history we see praying men we see praying women people who really you know they didn't pray because they knew it was a good thing to do they pray because they they couldn't do anything else you know they were completely yeah. consumed with passion to to rend heaven and it wasn't just dead dry prayers you know this was kind of like coming out of a another place you know coming out of a deep deep kind of core of passion to see god move and um you know i i, I said i would mention this because i think it you know i think it is kind of one of the reasons that i see as to why we're in the place that we are uh, certainly in the charismatic church I, I mentioned this to you before we came came on live but obviously my background over the last 10 years is is in the charismatic world and um you know i've been a minister in a charismatic church and i've been over to bethel twice I, i've been out to the leaders conferences yeah, yeah. there i have engaged with the students at, at bethel school of supernatural uh, ministry and i've actually had a few intern for me as well in my time and and one of the things that i noted is that I won't lie that some of these guys come out of Bethel like fired up. They, yeah, come, yeah. they come out Imagine. fired up. They come out really excited to serve God, to get plugged into church. And you can't attack that, right? Because no. No, no. <laughs> for many young adults, you've got to really work to get that. But they come out really fired up. But I don't think this is necessarily taught at Bethel. It's more kind of caught at Bethel. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. this whole understanding that revival is something that flows not out of prayer necessarily but out of identity so when a community of people really understand who they are like they really get what their identity in christ is they really understand that they were born to see miracles they were born to see the supernatural power of god flow that revival just automatically flows out of their kind of understanding of their identity and so they don't understand that they don't understand the place of prayer or they don't have yeah. a value for the place of prayer because they just think well that stuff the miracles the signs the wonders the people coming to christ that just flows naturally out of who i am right so they have this saying that's like i am a walking revival it's yeah. like hollywood christianity isn't it i am it's a walking like, revival and then they and woke so, up one day and they realized they had this all this sort of attributes and somehow they imparted all this that's Energy it yeah or something so that's it's, it they call it a metron so like you know you've heard that about a metron and it's your sphere of influence and you impact that sphere of influence whatever's on you begins to impact the place that you physically occupy with your body or where you are at work and so they just see that as like a natural outflow of being a spirit-filled christian they would say it's normal christianity yeah. and so this idea of like tarrying in prayer is not very tasteful to somebody that thinks that all those things just naturally flow yeah. out of them they don't have to work for it that you know they're very uh, you know they have this kind of like well we don't um we we don't live for 
the favor of God. We live from it. And I, I believe that's true. But there's such a kind of like understanding the identity and your personal conception of who you are is what brings about revival that then there's almost a reluctance to tarry in prayer and to really rend heaven in prayer to to actually work in prayer because let's be honest gareth for any of us who've tried to pray for an hour at a time it's work it It doesn't always just flow right some days Yeah. yeah but some days no it's like it's it's hard work sometimes and um that's one thing I've noticed anecdotally. I'm sure it's not the same for every Bethel student, don't get me wrong. But in my experience, there has been a distinct lack of value for the place of the prayer meeting. Um, it's all about self-conception. It's all about identity and everything just kind of happens from it just happens it just flows it's just oh we don't need to we don't need to work we don't need to strive we just need to be and i'm like on one level there's some truth to that but listen you just won't you won't find any revival in all of church history or in the scriptures where there wasn't some serious serious hard praying going on (laughs) i mean that's that's my perspective in in the last church i was in in essex there there there's this group of uh, very uh, zealous ladies wonderful godly women and they used to pray for basically get getting off of five hours wow. a time that's and crazy I'd meet, I'd meet up I think on a Friday and just wow. pray for like five hours and I'm just like you know my friends and I we, we tried and we'd do like two hours and we're like oh we're still miles <laughs> behind you know but it's just like but it inspired us you know the women yeah, it's a challenge um, I, 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 I don't know if people would disagree with this but I do think women are better at praying than men it's just my own view but I do think we, we, uh, there's something I've noticed where women seem to hmm. get it better generally in terms of prayer and actually being I think I think as men I don't know if I, we've just got bad attention spans or something Thing, you know our tensions drift but yeah, I just know yeah, that those yeah. women you know regardless of whether you think I'm being sexist or whatever I'm not but I'm just saying those women could pray for like five hours and me and my friends we managed about two and then we we're like yeah I think we're, we're doing wow. well to be able to do two you know yeah I mean that's there's a story of the Azusa Street revival isn't there um, yeah the guy called William Seymour black black Pentecostal minister who got kicked out of the church he was supposed to be going to minister in and then he just started all day prayer meetings literally all day oh, it's just, just amazing. in That's prayer what we need. That's and what we um, need. you know like that if you read the stories of Frank Bartleman, who was a journalist in LA at the time, he says there were numerous times when the fire brigade was called to Azusa Street to come and put out a fire because residents had seen flames coming out the top of the, the place where they were meeting. And uh, obviously there wasn't actually a real fire there, but it, you know these people were just absolutely sold out for prayer. And like Ravenhill said, that there was a tarrying in prayer. Um, yeah. There was a kind of like, no, we're not going to, yeah, like, like a waiting on God, um, like a holy reverence um, and a passion in prayer that I just think we, we've we kind of, in the church writ large, in the West at least, we, we have lost um, because of some of these reasons, really, that we, we have believed the lie that, <laughs> that if we really understand who we are, that it's all just going to kind of happen you know it's, it's all just going to happen and we're not going to need to 
do anything that's kind of uncomfortable uh, for us. Uh, there's very little kind of self-sacrifice going on is there, in, in general in the world at the moment. There's very little kind of picking up your cross uh, happening. And so I think, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my perspective, but you do see it. I think it. people's... People think, I think people, if they're honest, and I think this is one of the things where in a church I'd love to just kind of go around people and just ask honestly, so, you know, how's your prayer life? And if they're saying not very good, just ask them why. Why is that? Because I don't think there's any disgrace in saying, oh, I find it boring. Well, at least you're being honest. At least we can deal with, okay, mm-hmm. you find prayer boring. Well, we need to deal with that because any of us can find praying boring any of us can find the fact that we feel i think another one of the reasons why we don't pray is is we feel uh, we've got more productive things to do so i'll give you an example for us as pastors we i know we've been here before where we've gone i need to write this sermon otherwise i'm never gonna get it done for sunday i ain't got time to pray i need to write the sermon yeah yeah, Yeah, that's so upside down isn't it because you're like I really need to pray yeah, and then guilty, write the sermon when I've got the word. You know, we've all done that. I've done that on many occasions, many occasions. And so oh, absolutely. I think being honest about the reasons why we, we struggle to pray, I think is actually part of the, the uh, way that we can overcome. I think that's problems. really good. I think it's being, it's actually healthy, isn't it? To admit that you have a yeah. problem. And I think, you know, we, we want to say as well, like we, we're not perfect in this area. And I oh, think if we can somehow kind of acknowledge that yeah we we find prayer difficult um that we definitely don't prioritize it like we should uh, and then just be like well why is that like why and i think a big part of it gareth is kind of what you said earlier is that we actually like on a really core level we we don't quite believe prayer works yeah like we're not convinced that prayer works we're not convinced it's actually a practical solution for the things that we face and so you know i I, I I just generally feel I, I feel convicted by that, and I think that is the case because you only have to look at. I think it was it Ravenhill again who said, you know, the, the the spiritual barometer of a church isn't the Sunday service; it's the prayer meeting, and it's 100%, like oof, you know, 100%. in the guts, yeah. in the guts, because like, it, let me tell you now, like, if you're a church that has a budget upwards of five hundred thousand pounds a year, you're going to be able to put on a show every Sunday, and you're going to be able to yeah. fill. An auditorium. You're going to have to be put bums on seats. You're going to be able to pay yeah, a full time worship leader to make the service sound awesome. You, you're going to have all the accoutrements um, of a fantastic event. But what Ravenhill's saying is true is that that experience, you know, it grosses me out that churches call their Sunday services worship experiences now. But that experience is not actually the barometer of the spiritual health of that church it's the prayer Not meeting all, no. it's like where's the prayer happening in that church where's the corporate prayer gathering at you know and this is a yeah i think this is basically just boils down to the fact that i think we don't actually have faith that prayer works and and so i don't know like i love hearing testimonies like you just shared about the you know these two young adults suddenly wanting to come along to uh to the youth group and stuff like that yeah you know we need to hear don't we constant testimonies of prayer working <laughs> yeah uh, to encourage the body of christ you know um that is so and i think basically it's the slow rot of pragmatism isn't it it's like no it we is. just our time is divvied up and and given to the things that we think will kind of 
do the most for us right you know well i'll spend 10 minutes of my time doing this thing because i know that's going to go to work for me i know that's going to make that problem i'm facing easier and then we we think of all the things we could do to kind of i don't know see something happen in our lives or improve our church our ministry and sometimes prayer is the thing that we're willing to kind of skimp on which is horrendous but it's funny it's like carry on yeah yeah, so go back to like what Keith Malcolmson said about, you know, the, the full arm of God and praying at all times in the spirit. This idea that where prayer brings us onto the front foot, it brings us onto the battlefield of things happening spiritually. Mm. And, and and how how awful it is that it's so common for, I mean, myself, you, I'm sure, and yeah. others, many of us to go, I haven't got time for prayer. I'm too yeah. busy. I've got all these things to do. It's like literally the devil does not have to try very hard to stop us praying. In fact, if all the devil has to do is, is stop us contending with God in prayer, I mean, he's he's absolutely nailed that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, th- this is where we're at today, isn't it? Wasn't it Martin Luther said something like, you know, I- I've got so much to do today, I shall have to spend three hours in prayer or something, <laughs> something to yeah, that effect. I love that. <laughs> yeah, really like, good. <laughs> and, and that's the kind of... You know, that's the kind of benchmark, isn't it, that we all want to aim at. But the reality is that very few of us are actually going to end up being a Martin Luther who's going to, no. you know, or, a, or like those ladies that you knew in Essex spending five hours a day in prayer. But what can what can everybody do right now to change that? Like, what's one thing in your view that everyone could just do that is going to at least help them to be more effective in prayer and more present in a place of prayer i think it's, it's carving out time in the day where so for example i could tell you what i do which is i i have my quiet time in the morning um which obviously having done my my bible reading and all those sorts of things i i then have a prayer time at the end and then i've learned to start taking some time maybe 10 15 minutes where i just sit in complete silence and it's it's just i just focus my mind and heart on god and, and I, I just sit there and it's kind of practicing the presence i kind of sit in the presence of god and and i'm just not uh you know thinking and doing the other thing i do is is i I go for long prayer walks where I basically, I find sometimes we're all different. So for me, I find walking helps me to put my thoughts in some kind of order so that I can pray. And I find that I'll go for long walks and get an exercise and fresh air. But that's where, for me, I really connect with God and I really start praying and I start um, just you know, really, I love being outdoors when I pray personally. I, I mean, if it's well, raining, you have to pray indoors, don't you? But I love to be outside and pray. And I think having these long times of just pouring out my heart to God, praising him, thanking him. Another thing I would say is um, start with reading a psalm. So you sit down, say, you, you know, you, you've, you've basically said, right, I'm going to give an hour to da- a day in prayer. Yeah. What, sit down, read some psalms and start praying the psalms. Very simple way to start. Uh, start or get some Puritan prayers, something like Valley of Vision or Piercing Heaven, or there's a new good, one that Tim yeah. Chester's brought out of Puritan prayers on the Good Book Company. There's loads of them, but use some Puritan prayers, use some, uh, you know, the Psalms, whatever, and use things that have been written and start to med- journal as well. Write down some things when you're reading scripture, and write, write down some scriptures, write some reflections and prayers. You know, you can be creative with it. It's not that you have to sit there with your hands together like this, you know, like, oh, and I've got to, you know, wait for, you know, try and force it. There's lots of ways that we can pray. 
I like that. And I, I think, you know, 10 minutes a day is, is an achievable aim for anybody, isn't it? Because <laughs> I always think this, yeah. it's like people, all of us, we're prone to defend ourselves, aren't we? And give excuses as to why yeah. it's impossible for us to do that thing that we know sh- is a thing we should be doing, you know? Uh, <laughs> we've got a ready defense. But nobody can say that 10 minutes a day is excessive. And I think... No. I like what you say about that, where it's just like, just carve out that to begin with. If you're not praying at all, carve out 10 minutes in a morning to get a psalm out and just read that and then pray it through or wait for 10 minutes and just wait on God and then see what drops in your heart and then pray that, you know. I think it's really good to say that and just also to acknowledge that everybody's different. Um, Jesus is a man who clearly liked walking when he was praying. He clearly liked being outdoors. And I'm like that too. Um, I I struggle. I'm like, I think I'm kind of borderline ADHD, to be honest. Yeah, I, just I know get, what you mean. Like, I need to just be out. <laughs> and so I've got a dog. And so I'll just walk the dog and we'll go. And that's where I do my praying is when I'm out with the dog. And, you know, my, my mind and my soul really feed off being out in the sights and the sounds of nature um, rather than just in a room. And yeah, you know, I also, I think praying together with other people is, is really important. If you can, if you can connect with like a friend and just say, right, once a month, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. It's going to be awkward at first, but we're going to do it. And we'll come with even just an agenda, like a few bullet points of things or people we're going to pray for. And then we'll have a cup of tea and some cake afterwards, right? If you can do that, I'm telling you now, that will break down a massive oh, wall in your yeah. prayer life. It will encourage your friend. It'll encourage you. And then you can you can journal the answers to prayer that you get. Like, I love that. The idea of journaling your prayers as well is super cool because we forget, don't we, what we've prayed for? Yeah, and that's, it's, that's well worth doing. It's such a shame sometimes when we then see blessings happen in our lives and we were like, we realized that was an answered prayer that we prayed like years ago and <laughs> it helps and we don't that. celebrate these answers to prayer enough no, i think we actually we, we need to celebrate these answers to prayer and and and, and it's a bit like you know the the way that in the psalms the, the psalmist reminds israel of the great things that god has done you know yes. like god has done these things we need to keep reminding ourselves yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. the breakthroughs in our life i I've, i'm doing this a lot recently with you know as you know my situation and life's life's you know yeah. tricky at the moment and in my in my kind of vocation and i've just thought about all the times that god has come through for me at the 11th hour now if i didn't do that i'd i'd be i'd be really stressing i'd be really struggling but it's because i look back and go no but i've seen god answer my prayers and come through in this way so many times you know, we need to remind ourselves as well to, to keep be, you know, bringing back to, to memory what god's done and be thankful as well that's, that's another thing that uh, the apostle paul says doesn't he? he says in the philippians the philippians about being you know being thankful with thanksgiving bring god your requests mm. Mm. So thank you, Lord, for the, for the things you've done. I need to ask you to help me again. But thank yeah. you for all the times you've helped me as well. So it's, it's reminding ourselves to build up our faith, but it's also that we're coming to God with a thankful heart before we ask what he, we want him to do for us. It's so good. Yeah, I think, you know, Gareth and I, um, we sort of benefited from from these Puritan prayer books, The Valley of Vision, Um we also have uh, another one which we've recommended before, uh, which is Gibson's um, "Be Thou My Vision." 
which oh, is a game f- changer fantastic book and it's just it's a bit of a guide rail for the christian who wants to grow in their daily worship and daily prayer and you know it's been a springboard for me and i know it has been for gareth as well so it's just finding those helps you know i think yeah obviously i've been in a, like a hyper charismatic world where it was like you know we just pray in tongues all the time yeah, yeah. Uh, and nothing wrong with that but at the same time i i got to a place where that became kind of dead and like dry and almost religious and what yeah, i actually yeah. did is I, I actually dipped into some orthodox prayers and some c of e liturgy uh from the common book of prayer and that was about, about five years ago and it just helped me to bring some yeah, structure to my prayer definitely. life so there's no harm in dipping into different traditions i think uh you know only going so far of course very healthy, but, but i think it's I actually think healthy, healthy in the right way yeah it is healthy and i've certainly gained a lot of encouragement and strength from the anglican tradition in my praying over the last couple of years gareth you'd be surprised to know um but but i think it is helpful it is healthy rather to always look to reinvigorate your prayer life if it's stale if it's dry if you're doing it and it's just kind of you know that it's just it's just kind of you're doing it by rote uh, and you need to bring some life in there are so many great helps out there if you you look um so we've never been more blessed the amount of resources that are (laughs) no we really haven't we really haven't and i swear you know like reading the valley of vision um which is a collection of puritan prayers like you realize the depth of prayer that these people were engaged oh, in yeah you know and you just then are so like I, I think for many christians they're unaware of how spiritually dry we are here in the 21st century because they don't know church history like they don't no. know the depth of prayer that these ministers had and, and were, were sort of you know marinated in and so we think it's all good you know because we we did like half an hour pre-service prayer on Sunday, right? With charge for the week. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, the thing the thing I think feel strongly about is I feel like the Puritans get a really bad press, and so everybody's just they got do. this idea yeah, yeah. of because obviously the name Puritan was actually a cuss word. Really, they were they were actually right. these were people who were who were zealous Christians, you know, in the kind of 16th century or whatever, and they and 17th century, and they basically got called, you know, Puritans. Terms of, oh, you take it too seriously, like the black you're, you're, caricature. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> It was a character oh you puritan the puritan is actually kind of derogatory term yeah and and yet actually the puritans these were these were people who were you know like i would call them the legit christians these were like the yeah, people that, yeah, yeah. that you want to to spend time with and and you read through these prayers i mean there's another book piercing heaven and there's a whole sections about where they're struggling with sin and obviously we know john john yeah. often talked about mortifying your sin and, and the yeah. Puritans, something that's quite common to the puritans was mortifying your sin it was actually you know this looking at the sin in your life and, and being disgusted by it and saying no i want nothing to do with that's, that. that's what i love about them like you know it's just they're so candid like that's yeah that's why i love the valley of vision because listen we 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 all have days when we you know we fall short we all have days when we've, we, yeah. we've done something rotten we've thought something we've said something and these prayers are so real that i can go to them and they just read me like a book and i can pray them from the core of my heart and they because they're so yeah they're so candid about the 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 battle they faced for purity for holiness to walk you know and so i love the puritans in that respect and a lot of their prayers are kind of a longing to see god move a longing a desire to see 
their walk become purer more holy more like yeah. jesus and um and then i listen to prayers these days and i'm just like i don't even know if that's a prayer you know like yeah. lord we what was de- that yeah. we declare better jobs we declare checks in the mail i'm like that is not a prayer that's not prayer right? that's wishful thinking out loud that's what it and is so yeah you, yeah there's so much good stuff out there but i think this kind of um rending heaven with prayer is something that the puritans really had i would encourage you you know get mortifying sin john owen it's in the puritan paperback series um read some puritans and it will help you um it'll help you to pray better i think because uh, what we see uh, right through all revivals is we see this like a not ju- prayer isn't with people that experience revival going through church history and going back into the bible the prayer that kind of always kicks these revivals off isn't a kind of isn't so much a a petition is it it's not so much a kind of like lord here's our list of things that we would like to see happen in our day you know and revival's definitely one of them lord if you could bring revival that'd be amazing actually the prayers that we really see rend heaven are these kind of (laughs) gut-wrenching soul crushing prayers of repentance like always you know like that's that was what happened in the welsh revival um there's the kind of like you know that story um of of evan roberts like kind of saying bend me O lord and just weeping for for his nation that god would touch his nation and there's miners coming in and praying and there's like tears streaming down their their faces like prayer of repentance is something that is so key in every revival um and i think that's something that yeah like we really we really do need to kind of i don't know access somehow as a church um yeah that would be my thoughts is is like we yeah repentance is sort of a bit of a dirty word isn't it in many churches these days and yeah and i think that's something as as we kind of move into thinking about praying for revival uh, sort of biblically and historically the 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 one thing we see particularly as we look at uh, uh, biblical repentance is we see that that the repentance and prayer go together you know that there's a there's a i mean just just to just to put a few uh, Bible references out there in, in Exodus chapter 32 we see where the Israelites are, did worship the, the golden calf this was a, a dreadful moment uh, in their history God was threatening to destroy them Moses intercedes again he, uh, first of all he intercedes and then again Moses cries out to God for the Israelites that, that he'd forgive forgive them so twice throughout that chapter Moses cries out so there's a there's a confessing on behalf of them what they've done we see in 1 samuel 7 the prophet samuel leading israel back to god in repentance and prayer that there's a you know that for 20 mm. years after the ark had returned we see like after the, uh, the previous chapter chapter 1 samuel 6 for 20 years there'd be this this sort of like barrenness spiritually and then samuel brings them back to god in prayer we see again with um, King David in 2, 2 Samuel 6 after as a yeah. touched the ark and was struck down prayer which then led to worship and then just to give 
from right the way across to Chronicles and you read from chapter 14 right up the way up the way to chapter 35 we'll yeah. see Asa Jehoshaphat Jehoiada uh, Hezekiah Josiah Josiah is probably my favorite yeah like just tearing his his, his clothes when when the, the the law is read out by Hilkiah and oh we've really messed up and there's just this Lord, we're so sorry. There's a, you know, it's like, as we see in Joel, it's like, you know, rend your hearts, not your garments. I want your hearts. I don't want an mm. outward display of repentance. I want the heart. And we see that again in Joel. We see in Ezra. We see uh, Zerubbabel. We see um, Nehemiah uh, and, and Ezra reading out the law and all the people weeping after the law's been read. There's always in the Bible, there's always a repentance that goes with the prayers. Yeah. And I think that's particularly in the Old Testament, that's something that I think that we see that when things are barren as they currently are, I believe that, I mean, I mean, this is going to be controversial what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it and I'll probably get in trouble, but I'm going to say it <laughs> Go anyway. On, say it. These are always so the best things. <laughs> let me just say this. So obviously, we want to give a tribute to our, our wonderful um, Queen. And I, I obviously, you and I both texting each other and saying how sad it was. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, and and we, we, I mean, what a wonderful witness. What a wonderful woman. Praise God and thank God for her life and all of Amen. that. And Amen. and I, I genuinely, I, on that evening when she died, I was, I was really sad. I was in sad, myself. Yeah. I was really such. felt low, felt really low. And I, I felt that sadness. Yeah. But let's just look at it objectively. A wonderful woman. She lived a full life, 96 years old. She had a nation that loved her. She had a family that loved her. And, and she, she had a good life. And praise God for that. Yeah. That's a 96-year-old monarch who's died. And we're pouring out all of our grief, as we should, as we should, rightly so. Yeah. But what about all these babies that are killed in the womb? They didn't even get to live a day. Come on. No grief at all, is there? Now I'm not saying that I'm not try I'm not saying that we should not grieve our monarch. Absolutely we should. Absolutely right that we should. But what I am saying is it is absolutely criminal that we are not weeping and be and beating our chests at the fact that let's just be clear about this. Babies are actually being torn limb from limb in the womb. Let's be clear about this. Yes. And not just a few. There's nothing this is not peaceful death. This is actually being brutally murdered in the womb. It's murder, yeah. And no one ever talks about this. No. And 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 God sees what is being done to these infants. Yeah. And I'm like, if 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 you're not angry about that, then you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> if if you're not furious you're about right. that, you're right. Yeah. Then get on your knees and start praying until you are. And this I would say that, Gareth, this is it. This, the, I mean, the 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 abortion crisis is the it, it is the great moral issue of our times. There's 100%. no getting around it. A hundred years from now, you know, whether Jesus has come and we're all looking back at history or whether there are still people on the earth, abortion will be looked back upon like we look back upon the Chateau slave trade now. Yeah. Because we're, we're talking about over 200,000 babies every year. It's increasing every year in the UK. Over 200,000 babies every year murdered in the womb and people are not, so much as batting an eyelid about it and you know you're right i think this people will say and raise kind of like minority cases well what about the woman who's been raped uh, what about if the the child's life isn't viable well in both of those cases you're talking about an extreme extreme minority of all 
abortions that take place in the UK. Yeah. I mean, I've done the research. I've looked over the government statistics myself. I've poured over them. We're talking about over 98.5%, pushing up towards 99% of all abortions that take place in the UK take place because the mother feels that to have the baby would present a risk to their mental health and it's that inconvenience let's that, just call it what that it is could inconvenience it is yeah it is and this isn't something that the doctor is saying this is something that the the, the, the mother is saying and uh, so <laughs> we are talking really about a, a, an epidemic of you know a, a, of murder essentially yeah happening in our country right under our noses uh, against the most defenceless vulnerable people in the world and nobody's talking about it christians aren't talking about it in fact if if like when we heard about roe v wade getting overturned in the states what did many christians do actually jump and support roe v wade and say this is a travesty uh please check on your american friends right now and check they're okay you know uh (laughs) so you're right the question is what is the cause what is the main cause of these abortions yeah, well, obviously... Sexual so, immorality. Sexual yeah, immorality. Is, that's, that's the... Uh, that, pretty yeah. much, most of the time, I'd say nine times out of ten, sexual immorality. Abortion is so you, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the issue. Yeah. So what you've got is you've got sexual immorality, the god of sex is being worshipped, and children are being murdered Yeah. as as a result of that. that and that is the cold, hard facts. Now, this is... No, I'm going somewhere with this. There's people think he's gone off on one. I don't think I have. <laughs> I am going somewhere with this, right? Yeah repentance comes when we are mortified by what we've done because the problem with sin is 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 we 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 drift into sin blind blindly we don't see how serious it is so for me this is how far away from god we've gone as a nation that we can't even see it no we're blind to it because 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 we're that's the, the whole problem with sin it's blindness you're right it's unable to see and this is why i believe revival has to happen where our eyes are opened to our sin as a nation our eyes are opened to what we've done and that's just one area there's obviously there's greed as well as there's how we've caused hardship and and how we're you know there's all areas where there are that we have to come to god and and to confess our sin we have to confess the things we've done wrong it has to start with repentance and I mean, this is what I'm seeing in churches nowadays, like not calling people to repentance. And I, I, I'm going to give this example. This is a bit it's a bit later on from when it happened. But I remember during the lockdown, um, yeah. do you remember that? that you, I mean, we talked about this before, didn't we, about the UK blessing song? Yeah, uh, I think we yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. it in one of the early podcasts. And, you know, like, oh, God blesses you. Actually, no, he doesn't. He's pretty furious, quite <laughs> frankly. And you're singing a song about how God's just so blessing the nation. Actually, no, he's not. Yeah. God is furious with the nation and wants wants repentance. Yeah, like the wrong message is being put out there, and so yeah, this yeah, is why yeah. I think if we if we want to be serious about seeing revival, we have to actually start with ourselves. So okay, nation's messed up. Let's get into the church. Let's zoom in on ourselves. What about you and me? I'll look at myself yeah. and say, uh, you know, where am I going wrong? Like, and I, and I believe that there's this need in the church to for God to really soften our hearts. Yeah. 
and and then and the, I, 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 do you know, what? I, I've, I've been saying this for a while in churches, and people look at me like I'm mad. I probably am, quite frankly. I've got, I can't even tell anymore. Um, you know, how can you tell a mad run around here? You know, but I genuinely don't see any good happening until people are weeping into the floor in churches. As just that's what I believe. I don't think we're going to see anything really change yeah. until people are generally yeah. weeping into the weeping into the into the floor in churches. You know, uh, a man said of David Brainard that. Because he used to go and you know, sort of used to rent out a room that used to go into this this bed and breakfast place, whatever. He used to go upstairs and he just used to pray, and I think the the landlord could just hear him weeping and wailing wow. and, and for what on earth's going on in that room upstairs, and he'd be crying. But apparently, it had a wooden floor, and there were there were kind of indentations in the floor where his knees went, uh, where he was kneeled down at the bed. And there was like indentations in the wooden floor where David Brainard would spend so long kneeling at that bed, praying and weeping and and crying and continuing with God. It's like I need to hear that because that's that that convicts me, that challenges me. And, and I just think there's mm. you know not that I'm wanting to sound like I'm having a go or anything like that, but I'm saying I do feel that when we look at how well the Puritans knew the Bible, like John Bunyan and people like that, and they said that if you cut him, he'd bleed Scripture. Yeah. Like most of us don't even read the Bible now. No. Like William William Tyndale was brutally murdered, and when when he you know when he took his last breath, he said, "Oh Lord, open the king's eyes." And he wasn't talking about his his innocence. He was praying that the king would see that that the nation needed Bibles to read. Yeah. And he get, and this man literally spent his life and was and paid for for paid his life in order for people to have Bibles to read. And most of us don't even read the Bibles. We're just too busy flicking through Netflix. No, and and no. that is a problem. That is, is a, problem. a problem. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, James White was saying at the G3 conference yesterday, he was saying, how, holding up a Bible and just saying, you know, men have bled to put this in your hand. Yeah, 100%. Men have bled. And there's never been a point in history when the text of scripture has been so widely available to so many people. And yet, in the houses of many professed Christians, the Bible sits on the shelf gathering dust, doesn't it? You know, um, yeah, it does. <laughs> at least no, we don't, does. we don't, we don't habitually read it. Well, well, I do, uh, but I'm a pastor. But I'm talking about your average Christian, you know. And I think, in terms of repentance, it is a case of well, yeah, like let's look for the things that we can repent for. Let's, you know, it even if we start with ourselves you know let's look for that thing in our lives that we just we know isn't right we know we need to get right with god let's look at our community let's look at our church and often you know I, somebody said this to, to me once they were like if you are looking for a place in your life where you need to repent if you it, often what you need to do is ask the holy spirit just ask the holy spirit holy spirit would you show me where i am the most defensive yeah right what's the area in my life where i'm like do not dare approach me on that do, don't you dare talk to me about x y or z right and if the holy spirit highlights that to you it probably means that there's something you need to repent of right yeah. and so start for looking and asking god to just highlight those places in your life like where you're super defensive you're like don't don't talk to me about that right well ask the lord gently to show you what you might need to start asking him to change in you if you're a pastor in your church right it's the same it's like i think that there are many things that 
we really really need to bring before god and i've talked you know i've talked about this personally before but one of them is the worldliness in the church yeah it's, it's the worldliness it's in so the church true. it's the abandonment of biblical principles for church leadership in favor of business world models that have wreaked havoc on the body of christ have caused abuse and destruction you know it's not just that it's it's the sexual abuse of children and of women and of vulnerable people inside church walls right now there's something we can all repent of and all ask yeah, forgiveness for you know it's wolves in sheep's clothing it's it's asking lord would you purify our church in these days you know stop asking god to make you more successful yeah and stop asking god to give you a bigger building a bigger auditorium stop asking him to fill your conference right if you're not praying for him to purify your church you know and i think that's the, that's the key thing is we've got to i think just start asking the holy spirit lord would you touch our hearts afresh would you soften our hearts because i think the issue is hard hearts isn't it i think it is and it's hard you hearts. mentioned that about praying all these things that are wrong and you know what i find really humbling i find the fact that king josiah he was lamenting the sins of his forefathers yeah yeah rather than himself i mean obviously he would have been repenting for himself as well but actually it was the we need to repent for those who went before us and 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 it yeah. was genuinely like their sin is our sin oh yeah and i think there's there's something where as you're speaking i was just thinking it, you know it, it would be really healthy for a church to actually kind of you know in a prayer meeting to just make a list of all the things uh, you know just to shout out what what we've done wrong what we need to repent of whether it's us whether it's others in the church yeah and it's actually you know we're going to own this and we're going to repent own of it. it yeah yeah because because this is like this is what i think the humility is and this is where josiah i think really models this so well is uh, actually that church down the road or you know someone higher up in in the church of england or someone this did something wrong and it's so easy to go oh tut tut yeah actually yeah. what what god blesses when you go we're owning that we're going to repent of it we're going to cry yeah. out to god and, and and say lord we're so sorry that this happened yeah and i think this is where i think god is calling us back to is to say you know we it is to it is up to us to pray and intercede and to repent and cry out to him moses cried out for the israelites he didn't build a yeah. golden calf did he he was busy face to face with god as it were get you know getting the law that's it and and yet you know and he's the one who's crying out for israel lord please don't you know destroy yeah. them so they're, many they're times just, yeah so yeah, many times and I, don't, yeah. I don't know what they're up to they're just faffing about but you know and he's the one who's there so i think that that's one thing i would say as well is that is the grabbing that that um prayer intercession ourselves and and i, I think that is where we're going to see that start to see the change i think there's a humility that when we start mm. to because when you think about it, once you start praying, then I think you'll find you can pray for five hours and you've made a list of all these things and everybody's yeah. just, maybe even just take a prayer day in your church and say, look, let's take a Saturday and we're all just going to go and pray together somewhere. We're going to get a retreat center. We're just going to go there and we're going to someplace and we're just going to spend the whole day praying That's and it. have have some food together or whatever. But if more churches did that, I think we'd see more breakthroughs. I believe so. I believe so. I think that, you know, it's super healthy, isn't it? To just, just even inviting God, Holy Spirit, would you just please just burden us with a heart to repent? You know, show yeah. us, Lord, where we have fallen short. You know, because we, 
we've got to remember as Christians, you know, God is our father. He he wants us to know his love. He wants us to, yeah. I, I guess, it's just, what I'm saying really is that it's a safe place to repent because you, I think some of us, because we're just so used to broken relationships, we th- we are frightened by the prospect of repentance. We're frightened at the prospect of owning up to stuff because what we've experienced in life is that when we do that, we get punished, right? Yeah, that's a brilliant yeah. point. That's a brilliant <laughs> so, point, actually. So it's like, I don't want to admit to doing this or I don't want to own that sin because what that will bring me is actually I will be then of less value in God's eyes I will be punished um, I will be held back and that relationship will no longer be a safe place for me yeah and, and that's actually that's actually not what God's like at all um, it, it's him that draws us to repentance not because uh, he he wants us to just wallow in what an awful piece of something we are uh, but he's actually drawing us to repentance to make us more like Jesus uh, he's drawing us to repentance because we're being beautified we are the bride of Christ we're being prepared for that day when we meet him and it's actually good for us like it's actually good for us to come clean and to be you know truthful and be honest and we we're not going to lose that relationship at all uh with our father in heaven so i think sometimes it's remembering that that we are repenting to a father uh, we're repenting to a perfect father uh yeah. you know, we can't do anything to destroy a relationship that he started uh, we don't risk sullying it by owning sin so yeah i think i think um that's a good place to start isn't it by doing that and i think one thing i've always ask the lord for as well is, is just a burden for the lost and uh, you know in prayer is something you see particularly in the welsh revival it was something that yeah. you know evan roberts as a, as a young man as a teenager was just burdened for the welsh people you know he'd just be walking in the hills crying out to god to see soul saved and what caused him to do that well it he was faced with just spiritual death all the time wales at the time was uh pretty grim uh they had seen a revival actually in the back end of the 19th century so it was a nation that had seen revival but had since kind of backslidden and sometimes when, when nations see revival quite often they backslide into a worse state than they were before the revival came sadly and this is the you know this is the sad reality when christians become complacent or when they try to kind of institutionalize revival or moves of god and so wales had sort of slid back into this real kind of like moribund spiritual state uh, drinking uh, was a big big problem just drunkenness um, domestic abuse was just off the scales uh, you know it was just a, a dark place to be at the time and uh evan roberts saw this and just caught god's heart for these people and just began to cry out for mercy and that they they would turn and repent and i think that's another thing as a church that we can really be just getting into is like yeah lord you know give me a heart just give me a heart for these people you know so often i'm just 
you know a lot of us are just weighed down by personal concerns aren't we we're just yeah, thinking course, about the yeah. immediate we're thinking about our lives but it's it's god giving us a an eternal perspective on life and you know, what helps me is, is out on the streets every thursday i'll be singing songs i sing some worship songs with uh, some of the guys from my church and after we finish a worship song i've gotten into the habit of just just saying a few words why we're there Look, we're in town today uh, we hope you have a great day we're in town today just wanting to share the gospel and then what i have to do is i have to break down the gospel for them and just tell them in a, sh a few short words what it is and and that coal face of having to preach the gospel to these people and then seeing yeah. their response in that so many of them are completely kind of nonplussed by it they don't care it doesn't bother them and then one of the things i'll always say is that look none of you know when your lives will be required of you none of you know the day yeah. that it will be your last and one day the bible says all of you doesn't matter what you believe or where you're from or you know how important you are all of you are going to have to give an account before god for the deeds done in the body that's all of you and i, I just want you to be prepared for that day and yeah. i think it's keeping that in mind it's that yeah we all have temporal worries and temporal concerns and you know what was what, what are we going to get for dinner tonight and what's the energy bill going to be next month we, we're all got them but it's like remembering that you know what <clears throat> these people walking about in front of you they could die tomorrow yeah and the, <laughs> they could be gone and and if they don't know christ let's be very certain that their destination is hell yeah i mean that's a scary thing i, I wanted to kind of pick up on the 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 need for prayer because the, of the current decline i mean i think there was a point where I guess maybe I don't know 10 15 years ago you you'd kind of think we, we you know we pray for revival in churches because we'd like to see it and it wouldn't it be wonderful if I think we've now moved to a point now where we have to pray for revival mm, it's like, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. absolutely is urgency and and just to sort of emphasize that I've got some statistics for you and um firstly apparently according to the Barna report in America, and this, and this went out in a number of sort of news outlets online particularly, apparently in America only a third, so that's 37% of American pastors hold to a biblical worldview. What? That's a third of, of, of so-called evangelical pastors hold to a biblical worldview. And this is where it gets scary. So this is conversion rates by the day globally the average conversion rates or professions of faith uh, if you were so we start off with sub-saharan africa around thirty-eight thousand per day latin america seventeen thousand per day asia fourteen thousand per day china you know it's going to be more because it's just christianity is exploding over there over twenty-five thousand per day wow Europe. How many people do you think in Europe? Have a guess. Five thousand a day. Eight. What? Eight. Eight. <laughs> Eight gosh. per day. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, that is unreal. I mean, I mean that it is, is astonishing, is it? Like you're, you're like, hang on, that can't be right. In the United Kingdom today, true biblical Christianity constitutes only one in seventeen people. Yeah. 
You know, we're no longer a Christian nation, as we've already mentioned. Our, our, our Christian monarch has, has recently been succeeded by her son, King Charles III. Long live the king and all that. But he has yeah. openly affirmed religious pluralism. He is not yeah, he has, yeah. in any shape or form a Christian. No. In any shape or form. So, you know, we're, it's a real mess. Like, You're right. Yeah, God yeah. help us. God yeah. help us. It's a real well, mess. If, if those figures don't make you cry out in prayer, then... Yeah. Then, then what will you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> Now's the time to get praying for our nation, and and I think this is this is where I think you know eschatology and biblical eschatology can help us because yeah, definitely. Whatever your view is, right? Pre-trib, post-trib, you know, uh, Armel, whatever. All of us have to acknowledge that the new testament says that we're in the last days we're in the last hours yeah i believe so we're in the last hours and so it's time is short time is short and it's making every hour count it's making every day count and it maybe you can't be out on the streets uh witnessing uh preaching the gospel but you can certainly be in prayer you can certainly be praying you know that the lost in your city in your community would know Christ yeah I mean this is where we find ourselves and this is why you know we'd want to really you know urge you if you're listening to this to if your church isn't great at praying and you feel passionate about it start something yeah you know, do something start something go online go to 24 yeah. 7 uh, website start up a prayer room you do something because yeah i mean this is another thing which and again i'm a pastor so i'm allowed to sort of a pastor's rant at least one per episode <laughs> one people yeah well no, i think i've already used up that one today but you know another one often we find in churches people will say we need to do something yeah and you think well and they look at you like you're supposed so to do It's so true. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we need, no, to, if you're we need to, to do the, something means you need to do something. <laughs> yeah, like, but actually, and I say this to encourage and empower whoever you are listening to this. Yeah, if absolutely. you're listening to this thinking, our church doesn't pray enough, please go to your pastor and say, look, I want to be the prayer coordinator. I want to start so something. So good, yeah. Because God will use you. God will bless the he fact will. that you're concerned. Because we need people, anybody who sees the need for prayer in a church and wants to grab that by the scruff of the neck and make something happen, and invite people along and, yeah. and you know from the front on a Sunday say look we're going to meet up on this particular day we're going to pray and we're going to intercede for the nation we're going to pray for the royal family we're going to pray for you know our nation we're going to pray for you know those those countries where, where there are people being persecuted uh, we're going to pray for uh, those who are in need or, and, and are spiritually lost and all and, and all these people who are not uh, who, who don't know the Lord who are going to be lost eternally you know, these are things and, and all that's going on as we talked about eschatology, you know, the, the fact that yeah. we see things going on in our in our world. And as far as I'm concerned, conspiracy theorists are just people who are six months ahead of everybody else. You know? <laughs> so true. <laughs> Shoot me if you like. But, the, these guys are just the prophets, aren't they? <laughs> well, they are, aren't they? It's quite, as far as I'm concerned, whether you agree with me or not, the fact is something's not right in the world, something's wherever you stand right, on it. No. And we need to pray and we need to yeah. come before God. And that really is my firm con- conviction on that absolutely amen to that you know don't i think that's the thing and where where it regards prayer you know don't don't look to your leadership your pastor as being a roadblock for you you know it's it's just kind of saying actually yeah i'm going to go to them i'm just going to say hey look you know i I want to start a prayer group or can i 
can I get involved in prayer? How can I serve in prayer? Right. And, and honestly, you'll be a blessing to your church. Um, oh, definitely. You, you will. You'll be a blessing, a blessing to that to that minister. Um, so we, we want to say thank you for listening in again to the Hammer and Tulip podcast. We hope this has been an encouraging discussion for you. We hope it sparked some hunger in prayer. We hope our rants haven't convicted or cut too deeply. <laughs> and we hope they've cut and convicted in the right way. Um, but yeah, I you know, know uh, please listen to us. You know, neither of us are perfect in this area, but it's a journey that we're Quite on right. to uh, with you. And so and we always appreciate your encouragements. We always appreciate your feedback. Um, and, and until next time uh, we want to say god bless you all and uh yeah go and get praying go and get praying Amen. go and change your church for the kingdom of god take care god bless god bless